be in the book of Jude. That's where we'll eventually get to. So if you can turn there, that's the second to the last book in the Bible. While you're turning there, I have a few other things to uh, share with you. Fifteen years ago today, there were a series of four coordinated terrorist attacks by the Islamic terrorist group Al-Qaeda on the United States on the morning of September 11, 2001. The attacks killed 2,996 people and injured over 6,000 others, caused at least $10 billion in property damage and a trillion dollars in total costs. Four passenger airliners operated by two major U.S. passenger air carriers, United and American Airlines, all of which departed from airports in the northeastern United States bound for California, were hijacked by 19 Al-Qaeda terrorists, losing one of their passports in the WTC area. Two of the planes, the American Flight 11 and United Flight 175, were cra crashed into the north and south towers, respectively, of the World Trade Center in New York City. Within one hour and 42 minutes, both 110-story towers collapsed with debris and the resulting fires causing partial and complete collapse of all other buildings in the World Trade Center complex, including the 47-story World Trade and other buildings in the World Trade Center complex, I'm sorry, uh, World Trade Center tower, as well as significant damage to 10 other large surrounding structures. A third plane, American Airlines Flight 77 crashed into the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia, leading to a partial collapse of the building's western side. The fourth plane, United Airlines Flight 93, initially was steered toward Washington, D.C., but crashed into, the field, into a field in Stony Creek Township near Sharksville, Pennsylvania, after its passengers tried to overcome the hijackers. This was the deadliest incident for firefighters and law enforcement officers in the history of the United States, with 373, I'm sorry, sorry, 343 firefighters killed and 72 law enforcement officers killed. And today, uh, we remember that day. I hope we all remember it and do not let it uh, be something we just simply pass over. And remember more than just the event, but remember the lessons that we learned. I remember when we came together that Tuesday night as a church and uh, kind of an impromptu church service and uh, looked together at Psalm 27, uh, which we looked at uh, last week. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And we remember the promises that God had given to us. And we watched for a short time when it drew America together, and it was a, it was a wonderful uh, time, as Brady was pointing out to us, really the, to watch our nation respond in, in such an unusual way uh, in my lifetime uh, to be able to see that. Probably you'd have to go back to World War II to see that uh, at another time, and I, I wasn't around during that time. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it's something that we still remember. So, but I don't want today to be discouraging. I want today to be a challenge to us. I want today to be something that we're encouraged by. Uh, so 
We'll, we'll jump into uh, our passage in, in Jude in just a moment. But let me give you this. The term first responder. Well, 15 years ago, uh, we were reminded of heroes who live amongst us, you know, that often are forgotten and overlooked. The obvious ones being the ones we've already mentioned, firefighters and police officers. Uh, you know, so we, we were reminded on September 11th of those people and the, the great role that God uses them in our lives on a daily basis that we just kind of take for granted. Uh, most of us will go through our whole lives and not have a significant house fire. Uh, most of us will go through our whole lives and not have um, need, need that we're aware of for protection from a police, by a police officer. But they're there, and those things happen. But we were also reminded on September 11th that first responders encompass more than just uh, firefighters and police officers, but it involved you know, every National Guardsman, every Good Samaritan, every uh, volunteer. Uh, the nation just uh, you know, was reminded that there are a lot of people uh, around us that we should be thankful for. But the term first responder refers to this, according to uh, the dictionary, those individuals who in the early stages of an incident are responsible for the protection and preservation of life and property. That's a first responder. The individuals who are, who are initially responsible in the early stages for life and property. A first responder is a person who is likely to be among the first people to arrive at and assist at the scene of an emergency, such as an accident, a natural disaster, a crime, or a terrorist attack. Those would be people we call first responders. Uh, typically, they include, what well, we already said this, police officers, firefighters, paramedics, emergency medical technicians, EMTs we call them, National Guard, Goodwill Volunteers, Good Samaritans, and the list could go on. They uh, show up at things like fires, floods, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, amber alerts, silver alerts, accidents, attacks, be they criminal, be they terrorist. Uh, this is where those people show up. I want us today, well, before we get into the message, I want us to sing a song uh, together. You know this song, you know it very well, but you probably don't know the verse as well as you do the chorus. The chorus is very famous. Uh, the chorus is what we always sing. Uh, there was a lady, those of you who are my age and older, might remember Kate Smith and uh, her fame for singing this song. I'm not Kate Smith, and I will not sing it as good as she will, uh, but you're going to help me sing it. But what you may not have always put together in the song, because it's just a song that we kind of grew up with, at least from my generation, we just kind of grew up with it. And somebody's phone's ringing, there you go. And uh, my generation kind of grew up with it, and it took me a long time to recognize and realize that this is not just a song, but it's a prayer. And listen to the, listen to the verse that leads us to the chorus that you all know and we'll sing together. While the storm clouds gather far across the sea. Uh, this was written, by the way, uh, so that um, it uh, could remind us of what was happening 
during World War II uh, by a man who is of German descent, Irving Berlin, who had come to America as an immigrant in the late 1800s. And when he saw what was going on in his homeland and recognized that it was a, it was a storm cloud that was gathering, and he recognized that that storm cloud brought potential danger to the nation that he now called home and that he now loved. He wrote, while the storm clouds gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance to a land that's free. Let us all be grateful for a land so fair. As we raise our voices in a solemn prayer, and you know the prayer, Let's pray it as we sing it together. God bless Trust that's your prayer today. God, please bless America. And the way God might bless America is to call up another generation of first responders. And that's what I want you to consider today, becoming a first responder. I'm not talking, really, about being a first responder for fires and floods, although that would be wonderful for you to do. But that's not what we're talking about. Our nation is in spiritual crisis. The floods of depravity are sweeping our land. The fires of anger and hatred and bitterness have been unleashed on our nation afresh and anew. And I believe that the God of heaven is looking for some of his people to become first responders. To be the one, the first one, to step in before the disaster becomes out of control. And that's what I want us to consider today as we look at the book of Jude together. There's only one chapter in the book of Jude, so if you're trying to wait for me to give you a chapter, that's it. Jude, the only chapter. We're going to start in verse 16. These, talking about those who are not doing right, those who are living, those who are in need of a first response responder, verse 16, are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speak and, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, verse 17, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles. 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own godly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, ye, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some, have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment, spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Father, bless your word. Bless our nation. But God, as we see tragedy coming upon our land, God, may we not throw up our hands and wait for someone to come and help, but may we be the first responders. God, raise up from this congregation those who would run toward the fire, who would wade into the flood, who would carry the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who so desperately need to hear. God bless America. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give me a moment, please. Becoming that first responder. The Bible literally tells us here, if we would remember the words of Christ, verse 17, if we would stop recognizing that the people around us, the circumstances around us, the society around us may be collapsing under the burden of sin. What we have is the good news of a glorious Savior who is able to redeem men from sin. And so we have two options here. We can throw up our hands and say, this is an awful mess. We could turn on our televisions and watch. Or we could run into the fray, taking the gospel with us, the only hope that these people have who are being overwhelmed with sin, to carry the gospel with us to a lost and dying world that so desperately needs a Savior. And it starts there in verse 17, to simply remember. Remember the words which were spoken of the apostles and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what has been said before us. Remember that we have a God who loves us not because we are good people. But while we were yet sinners. And rather than being disgusted at the sin around us. To be burdened for those living under the bondage of that sin. And to take the gospel, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, to those who need it most. 
I wonder if there might be one willing today to say, I will be that first responder, Pastor John. I will be the one to walk into the flood, to walk into the fire, that someone might be saved. We'll start by remembering what God said to us and about us, what we have already been taught. Have we not been taught that we do not deserve heaven? Right? At what point did Christians forget that and decide to look down upon people rather than be burdened for people? It is not our job to stand and condemn the world. Even Christ himself did not come to condemn the world. That's what the Bible says. He came not to condemn the world. Why? Because without Christ, they are condemned already, the Bible says. He came to redeem. He came to offer them hope. And I do not want us to get caught up in in the disgust of sin without having the compassion on the sinner. First, let us remember the words that were spoken by the apostles. Secondly, go down to verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. How do I, Pastor John, how do I become a first responder? I'm willing, Pastor John, to put myself in harm's way for the sake of the soul of another. I am willing to follow the examples of martyrs of the past if need be. I am willing to fly my airplane into Ecuador if need be and put myself in harm's way that the gospel might be given to those who need it most. But how do I get to that point? Well, Jude's going to tell us. Take a look at verse 20. Building up yourselves in your most holy faith. First, you've got to start a process of growing in Christ. We do not leap from this point to that point. If you and I were to try to go fight a major fire, we would probably be counted among the dead. But if you and I would right now take some time to learn about fires and fire safety and how best to put out a fire and how best to approach a major fire, we might actually go and be a help to those who are in the burning building. If you and I were to try, I remember, uh, I'll show you just how, how um, I'll use the word ignorant in its best sense since I'm describing myself, uh, how ignorant your pastor was. I was, I was 17 years old, and I had, uh, I had gone to southern Indiana to visit my mom, and then I had to go back to, I was working at a Christian camp, so just for the weekend. And during the weekend, we had gotten a lot of rain. Well, in so doing, I had to cross in, in, in um, Worthington, Indiana. I was going the country way back to get to the camp because it's down in Dillsboro, Indiana. Uh, so um, I had to cross White River. And it had flooded. Now this is how God was good to your pastor and how ignorant your pastor was. The road disappeared into the river and came out on the other side. And I knew the road. I knew it was straight. So I said to myself, if I just go straight toward the other side, I can get across. (laughs) 
Now, you should have been dragging the river and pulling my body out of the river. If, if any, now, that I, now I know enough about floods to know that I don't know how it happened. I, I mean, I'm telling you, this is just God being good. But I came out inside. I couldn't see the road. Wow, how, how stupid can you be? <laughs> I told my mom about it. She's like, you did what? <laughs> Back then, they didn't have cell phones. So, you know, I told her about it the next weekend. When I saw her, I was like, I don't know. She said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> she was so furious. I'm like, what's the matter? I got to the other side. What's your point? <laughs> it was not smart. But if you and I would take the time to build up, if we would take the time to learn, if we would take the time to prepare ourselves for what it takes for us to walk into the fire and pull someone out that is burning, to walk into the flood and drag that one out before they drown, if you and I would take the time to learn the scripture and know how to rightly divide the word of truth so that we can walk into someone's life who is bound and in bondage of sin, and show them the freedom that Christ offers through salvation. Then we might be like Jude who saved some pulling them from the fire. Rather than overtaking ourselves. Pastor John, I am willing to be a first responder. I am willing for the cause of Christ to put my life on the line for the cause of Christ. Then we need to build up in the faith. You will never be a Sunday morning Christian and a first responder at the same time. Do you understand how this works? You're going to have to make church a priority so that you can build up in the faith. If this book is a book that you seldom get around to reading, you need to build up in the faith before you dive into the fire. Because many a Christian in an effort to help the alcoholic, the alcoholic over there, has fallen into the sin of alcohol. Many a Christian, in an effort to help that one who is overcome with drugs, has become addicted themselves. Walking in unprepared is not smart. But if you and I will take the time to build ourselves up in the faith, to grow in Christ, and then to offer ourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, then God might give us opportunity to be that first responder. And there are many in need of someone who will step in. How else can I come, become a first responder? Keep reading in verse 20. Not only building yourselves up in your most holy faith, but praying in the Holy Ghost. How's your prayer life? Well, I pray every time I see that uh, light flashing behind me. Oh, Lord, please don't let it be me. I pray every time the train's taking too long. Lord, would you please hurry this train up? I've got to get to my appointment. What's our prayer life like? Because it, it's not going to be possible for me to... Here's the problem. Most people, most people who don't know much about fires, for instance, we look out across the horizon, we see a billow of something coming up, and we don't know if it's the factory or if there's a house burning, because we can't tell the difference. 
But a firefighter says, I need to go to that. There's a fire there. They know. They are in tune with what fire does. They're in tune with how to respond. And you and I are not going to be able to. We will walk right past people who are burning in their sin. And never even be aware of what's going on. Because we've not taken time to, in the spirit of God, pray and, and to know the condition of those around us. We'll walk right past, we'll be like the Levite and the priest and pass by on the other side because we're not bothering to have our, our hearts in tune. Remember the old song, whisper a prayer in the morning, whisper a prayer at noon, whisper a prayer in the evening. Why? What's the song say? To keep your heart in tune. The idea is to keep your heart tender. You know, when I forget to pray, I forget to witness. When I forget to pray, I get busy. Life takes over. And I'm doing stuff. I may be even doing stuff for the church. But I'm missing the great need that is around me. When I fail to keep my heart in tune. Build yourself up in the faith. Make prayer a priority to get to the end of this chapter. Verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You know how, to, how do you keep yourself in the love of God, by the way? Think about this. My father-in-law's favorite song, he says I'm supposed to sing this at his funeral, but I'm hoping that he'll preach mine or we'll just go up together. That's even better. But uh, this song is his favorite song because it's a constant reminder to him of the love of Christ, of what Christ has done. It's called God did a wonderful thing for me. I was a sinner, all covered in shame, lost and defiled, with no merit to claim. Somehow, God loved me in spite of my sin, saved me, redeemed me, and cleansed me within. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? You remind yourself of the love of God all the time. You know, I mean, how often does God show us his great love? Can I tell you what happened yesterday? Our teenagers know this. We had such a blessing yesterday. How many of you had rain yesterday? How many of you had rain? I, don't, I have no idea. We, we weren't here. I don't know what it did in Indianapolis. But all day long, they're predicting rain. The weatherman says 80% chance of rain. We've got... There's 500 teenagers standing out in the middle of a cornfield. This is what our activity was yesterday. I'm not making this up. And this is what we're doing. And we're playing games outside. And then we go sit inside of a tent and get preached to. Then we go outside and play games, go sit inside of a tent, get preached to. Then go outside and play games, go sit inside of a tent. Three times we get preached to. We played games outside, went inside the tent. It started raining. It stopped raining. We went outside and played games. We came back to inside the tent. The guy says, hey, I think we're done with the rain. And he hadn't any more than said that. And a thunderclap hit, and here comes the sprinkler. You can hear it on top of the tent. We went outside. No rain. We never got wet. That's just because God loves us, and he's just good that way. Now, God's still good even if we got wet, right? I know that. I'm aware of that. But he just decided to do something special for a group of teenagers sitting out in the middle of a cornfield yesterday. Because God 
loves us. And if we would take the time just to remember all the ways that God shows us that he loves us, to keep our hearts tender, to drive us to our knees and cause us to pray, to build ourselves up in the faith, to begin to read our Bibles and go to church and learn and prepare ourselves, then God might give us opportunities to rescue that one, to snatch that one just before it is eternally too late to be a first responder. Keep yourselves in the love of Christ. Verse 21, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Grace and mercy going hand in hand here, right? Grace, God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy, God holding back what we do deserve. And you and I ought to get in the habit of looking for God to be merciful to the society around us rather than looking for the lightning bolt to fall. You understand? I am well aware. Somebody asked me just before the service, does that uh, number, Pastor, that sixth, what was it, 3,000, uh, what is it, pa Darren, what was it? Yeah, 3,996, whatever it was, he's got it. Does that number include the terrorists? I'm like, I don't know. And I have to be honest with you. I even said to him, there's a part of me that hopes not. I don't want to honor them. You understand? I mean, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but that's what I was saying. And yet, rather than looking for the lightning bolt, what I ought to be is to recognize that no matter who it was, thousands of souls went into eternity someplace. And the terrorist does not deserve hell any more than your preacher does. And we ought to be looking for the mercy of God more than we're looking for the lightning bolt. God avenge us ought not to be what we're praying. But have mercy upon me, O God. Looking for the mercy of God. Because as long as God is merciful, first responder, those of you who are willing to step into people's lives, messy though they be, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When God is merciful, he's given you another day to give them the gospel. When God is merciful, when he's withholding his hand of judgment, he's giving you and I another opportunity to step in and make a difference. The only question is, will we be those who make a difference? Well, build yourselves up, pray, keep yourselves in the love of God, look for mercy, verse 22, and of some, have compassion, making a difference. I, uh, I was walking through a couple of scenarios. In fact, I, I have a prayer list I told you about, my Pensacola prayer list, and um, when I go there, I try to you know, let kids give me prayer requests, and I pray for them for a year. And there's one young lady whose story, I have to tell you, was almost unbelievable. It just kept, you know, it was one of those, like, you, you, you walked away thinking, Lord, help her with her lying tongue. You know, I mean, it just, you just, it became unbelievable. I'm not making this up. I, her, prayer, her prayer request was this. Pray for my grades. They're suffering. I don't have enough money to finish out the semester. Pray for that. Pray for my mom. She's dying of cancer. 
Pray for my dad. He got hit by a bus a month ago. And oh, and my dad and my brother both had sex change operations last year. And you just thought, okay, can that even be possible <laughs> that all these things would happen to one person? You know, you'd be, and I thought to myself, in fact, quite honestly, just this week, preparing for this message and going through that prayer list, I'm thinking, I wonder how it would feel if Job sat down and told me his story. Really? Is it possible that all those things can happen to one person? Well, unless God's a liar, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I was rebuked in my heart to quit being so cynical and on some have compassion, making a difference. If we're going to be that first responder, we cannot allow cynicism to step in and say, oh, they don't really have a need. They're just, you know, well, what they really need, just grow up. Or they made their bed, they can lay in it. I'm only telling you things I've told myself many times over the years. How do I get to the place where I can be that first responder? On some, I'm going to have to develop a compassionate heart here. That I would not be willing to be, some, be, be so hard. I remember when it first happened, 9-11 first happened. I remember that everyone who looked a certain way caused certain feelings in my heart. And quite honestly, I was unwilling to share the gospel with them. It wasn't right. It's just where I was. In my heart, I felt that they earned what they were getting. And then, of course, you have to remember that, of course, we have too, right? We have earned separation from God for all eternity. And the only difference between me and them is the grace of God. Is that God, not me, God did a wonderful thing for me. That's the difference. And folks, if we will do these things, then it's possible that verse 23 becomes our opportunity. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Galatians chapter 6 might become our reality. If a brother be overtaken with a fault, ye are spiritual, restore such an one. We might, like Christ, when someone is hungry, have enough compassion to feed them. That's what Jesus did. It might change the way we are if we would allow these things to become our reality. I wonder, do we have any first responders here this morning? See, Pastor John, I am willing to enter into danger if that's what it takes that someone might hear the gospel might know the love of Christ might be saved for all eternity we call them heroes from 9-11 15 years ago I wonder how many eternal heroes God might have sitting here heads bowed eyes closed this morning